Well, good morning. We want to welcome you to Better Life Church. We want to welcome everybody at our Grayson campus. Come on, can we get for our Grayson campus? Yes. You know, last weekend I had the opportunity to hang out there at Grace, and I'm telling you what, God is up to something great. He's using uh, Better Life Church in that region in such an empower, powerful way. Last week was Labor Day weekend. For some of you who don't know this, if you're first time here, uh, we, are, we are one church in two locations. We have a, a, a Moorhead campus, and we have a Grayson campus there in Carter County. And several months ago, a handful of people said, you know what, we want to start Better Life Church in our own community. Let's go. Let's make that happen. And because of awesome technology, we're able to broadcast this live to them every single week but they went and they started just a handful of people something small turned into something great and last week on Labor Day weekend they had over 270 people and baptized three people on Labor Day weekend come on that is awesome that is awesome. We want to welcome also everybody here at the Maury campus and everybody watching online all over the world. It's a, uh, it's a crazy weekend to have a cold, right? I mean, I woke up this week with the cold this weekend, and today, if it wasn't for Jesus, essential oils, and a nanny pot, can I get a witness? Come on now. I don't know if I'd be here to sit up here today, but you know what? Let's just, we're going to walk through this. So if I sneeze or if I cough, I'm going to try my best to not get it on you. I'll, I'll use the, the mute button on my wireless pack if I have to, but you pray for me. We will get through this today. Before we jump into the message, I was going to share this, uh, this past uh, week at our youth. And if you're middle school, high school students or parents of middle school, high school students, you got to get your kids here. We have the best student pastor on the planet, hands down. I'm just going to go on and say it. He's amazing. He's awesome. Very gifted communicator. Yes. <clears throat> and every Wednesday, he gets to speak life into our middle school and high school students. This past Wednesday, we baptized 19 students with in front of their families right here. Is that not awesome? That's amazing. And then right after that, it's since college just kicked back in and we, it's the new semester, we reset everything and uh, Jacob actually preached again another message and our, our awesome creative team led worship uh, that night and we had over almost 250 college students show up for college night right here Wednesday. Is that awesome? I'm telling you. God's up to something here in this region, and, and, and if you're just visiting with us, if this is your first time here, I'm telling you what, the best is yet to come. We're like, we've not even got started yet to see what God is about to do. We're in week two of this series called All in Wonder, and Pastor Trevor kicked it off last week, did an unbelievable job. I was sitting there at the Gracie campus in the back, taking notes like crazy, going, man, I should just re-preach that. That's good stuff right there. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that was an amazing, amazing message. Basically, it said, worship is more than what we do on Sunday morning. Worship is a lifestyle, and what we do here, we praise the Lord. That's just the aspect of worship. Serving's an aspect of worship. Giving's an aspect of worship. And it's not only what we do on Sunday, but what we do throughout the week. And we talked about that worship becomes a lifestyle. And when you do that, sometimes you bump into people and they'll say things like, well, I, I can worship God in isolation. Like I can worship God in the forest. I've heard people tell me that. Or I worship God, you know, hunting. And I said, okay, that's awesome. That's great. And so a lot of times you may think, well, you can't worship God in isolation. Well, the question, the truth is, yes, you can. There's some form of worship you could do in isolation. Like, for instance, praise. I can praise God in isolation. I did this morning in the bathroom. I had my phone on and, and had some music going on, and I was praising the Lord all while using a nanny pot at the same time, praying for you. So it was amazing. Like, you could do that in isolation. You can pray in isolation. Praying is a form of worship. You talk to God. So I could get by myself and isolate myself and get before God and pray. Um, fasting, the Bible says that let no one see that you and you fast. You can fast. Fast is a form of worship. And it's a sense that you could do in isolation. In fact, to the Jews, the most powerful worship, if you had to 
rank things as, as Pastor Trevor did last week with the pod chart, like this is praise, this is serving, this is family, like, things like that. The Jews would say the highest form of worship, the highest form of worship is when you read God's word and you meditate on God's word when you want to hear what God has to say to you. And so I'll worship God by reading my Bible and listening to what he has already spoken. That is a form of worship. However, there are also some things in the Bible that you can't do by yourself. If you want to say worship, at the end of the day, is just being obedient to Jesus. That's worship. When I obey Jesus, I worship him. Because the Bible says, if I love him, I will obey him. And by obeying him, then I worship him. I obey him and I read my Bible. That's an act of worship. I obey him when I fast. That's an act of worship. I obey when I meditate. That's an act of worship. I obey him when I praise. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So I obey him. But in the New Testament, there's these commands that's given to every single believer, and we call them the one another. And you can't do the one another's without another. So let me give you an example. Love one another. Encourage one another. Bear one another's burdens. Accept one another. Those things only happen in community, not in isolation. So what happens is sometimes we'll worship God, we'll read our Bibles, we'll pray, nobody knows and sees that. That's awesome. We come to corporate worship as we do today, and that's great, and we do corporate praise, and we sing to the Lord and do great things. But then you go off and you isolate yourself away from community outside of the church. And I'm here to tell you, if you isolate yourself, the Satan will assassinate you. He wants you to get astray. He wants you to get alone by yourself. He wants you to stay away from the family of God. But you can't do these one another's unless you have community. We don't just need corporate community on Sunday. We obviously, we need it throughout the week. In fact, listen, you need community. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, I don't need it. Well, you may not need it, but the people around you do need it. Not only do you need it, but we need it. Pastor Trevor talked about this last week, that we actually don't, you know, come to a worship experience. We are the worship experience. This, this is just a building. You don't go to church. You bring the church to a building where we can praise the Lord. And so not only do you need it, but we need it corporately for you to be praising and worshiping the Lord throughout the week in different ways and different forms of worship. But here's the reality too. Not only do you need it, not only do we need it, but watch this, they need it. The people who have never stepped foot in our church before. The people who have never, ever come to one of our campuses to experience what Jesus is doing in our life and in our midst. And so when I was planning this series, I thought about this, this passage here in All in Wonder that I want to just kind of give you the context on a walkthrough. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And I'm going to go through a couple passages here. And I'm going to walk out because I think this kind of in, in, incorporates what I'm trying to communicate today and also give you a next step because, right, information is not what transforms you. It's information plus application leads to transformation. And unless you apply the things that we learn in the Bible, it really doesn't bring no change in our life. And so let's walk through this together. Let's look what this looks like and how we can apply this to our life. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. Jesus died, he was buried, and three days later he got up out of the grave. For the next 40 some odd days he begins to uh, appear to the disciples and the apostles. And he had conversation with them and he walked with them and did great things in the midst. He taught them and said, here's the things that come. In fact, the Bible says over 512 witnesses, actually eyewitnesses saw Jesus after the resurrection that we know of as just recorded. You get to Acts chapter 1, right, and we come to one of the famous mission passages. There is the Great Commission where Jesus says, go into all the world and baptize them and teach them about my ways. We know the Great 
Commission. But they're sitting there together. Or the Bible says 120 of them were gathered and Jesus appeared to them. They begin to ask him question, is now the time that you're going to restore Israel and set up your kingdom? You can read this in Acts chapter 1 in the first few verses. And, and I just want to go and say this for those of you who love the end time study. You talk about every signs and all the signs of the end time and all this stuff. I want you to know that the church has not replaced Israel. There is something very special that God has still in store for the people of Israel. We know this. Isn't it amazing that our world is upside down over this little tiny nation called Israel? That everybody is fighting over the land over here of Israel. Listen to me. They have been fighting over land since the beginning. There will never be peace in the Middle East until Jesus comes back. Okay, I just want everybody to understand that. They've been fighting this way from the beginning. But the church has not replaced Israel. God still has a very special, unique plan for them. And he also the church. But anyone who's put their faith and trust in Jesus, Jew or Gentile, because they are Messianic Jews, please believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That is the church. God has great things. They said, but it's now the time to set your kingdom up and to restore Israel for what you're going to do. Jesus says, it's not up to you. My father knows the appointed time. No man knows the appointed time. So let me help you out. So when someone starts talking about they know when the end time's coming, don't listen to them. They have no, don't get all worried about that. No one knows this. God has not and will not let no one know when the appointed time comes. So Jesus kind of directs them and he picks up in Acts chapter one, verse eight. And he says one of the most famous, this is one of the most famous like mission verses. If somebody's doing mission work, this is the verse that you go to. And Acts 1, 8, it says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. Power, dunamis, that's where we get our word dynamite. You would have a dynamite power. You would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, just real quick here, the Bible tells us that when I give my life to Jesus, when I confess my sins and put my faith and trust in Him, He sends the Holy Spirit to come live within me. And at this point, Jesus hasn't ascended to the Father yet. And we're about to find out in Acts chapter 1, he does. And when he goes to the Father, he sends the Holy Spirit to come be our comforter, to come be our teacher, to come teach us truth that convicts us when we sin. That's why the Holy Spirit lives within us. He says, you will receive power when the Spirit of God comes upon you. And then he says this, and you will be my witness. You will testify. You will share your story. You will give testimony to what I've done in your life. And you will tell people about me. Watch this. Everywhere you go. Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria. And then he leaves us in there too, into the ends of the earth. 120 people are gathered together. Jesus says, go share the good news to the end of the earth. I just want to say this. Every great achievement starts small. Don't miss that. 120 people. And God's about to birth the church to the day, there's 2 billion people who claim that they're Christians. Today, God is about to birth the church with 120 people. I just want to say this. Everything you possess right now, everything you have right now, is everything you need to get started to see what God wants to do something great in your future. A lot of times we think things, I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough uh, uh, influence. I don't have enough relationships. Whatever it may be for you. And scarcity is where miracles take place. So quit overlooking what you don't have. Look at what you do have. Plus Jesus, that's all that you need. And he will do something great in your life if you will believe that. Don't look at just the little stuff that you have. Okay, that was the coffee. Verse chapter 2. So what happens? Chapter 1, he ascends. They watch him appear. And then all of a sudden we get to chapter 2. And what happens? The Holy Spirit now comes back and, 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 and floods the church. The Holy Spirit comes back and it lands on the people. And this is unbelievable. Like a crazy mighty wind, a, a, a work of God. The Bible says like tongues of fire came and landed and infused the church. This is the birth of the church. 
And so what happens is all these Jews were traveling to Jerusalem from all over the world. And they spoke in different dialects and different languages. And all of a sudden, they would stand up. These 120 people, they would stand up and they would share about what Jesus is doing. And everyone heard in their own language. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're here and you speak Spanish or Portuguese or German or Russian. And you are in the service, but you don't speak English. And all of a sudden, I come up here and I stand and I open up God's Word and I would speak in English. The Bible said, then you would have heard me in your own native tongue. That's what's happening in Acts chapter 2. Everyone hears in one language what's being spoken, but in their own language. That is crazy. And what made me think of something, it was pretty fascinating, I just had this thought, is that in the beginning... Everyone wanted to go up to God, and they all spoke the same language. It's called the Tower of Babel, right? They build, they build this tower. And God looks down, and He says, if the people are unified, everything and anything is possible for them to accomplish. So what happens? God comes, and He changes their language. That's why it's called the Tower of Babel. Everyone babbled because they couldn't speak the same language anymore. But isn't it ironic when the birth of a church comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, now they all speak in the same language. They're all unified and they're all focused on Jesus. Anyway, that's just how my mind works. I just thought that was pretty fascinating. And in Acts chapter 2, the church birth, Peter stands up and he preaches to the people who crucified Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this. 40 some odd days before this, there's a little girl in the marketplace And she goes and says, I think that guy right there was Jesus. And what does Peter do? Peter denies him. I don't know him. And then then, then people start thinking, is that the guy? And Peter denies Jesus three times. We we know that. We've heard that if you know the Easter story and all that jazz. But now 40-some days later, he's standing here and he's preaching with power and boldness. And it's calling people, you you uncircumcised and you you hard-headed. And I mean, he's preaching, I mean, hardcore. Why is he preaching with so much boldness? Let me tell you why. It's because he saw Jesus. And if someone dies and I watch that and someone's buried and I watch that and someone gets up out of the grave and I see that, I'm going with that guy every day, every day. You know what I'm saying? That guy, I'm on his team. And so now because he saw Jesus face to face, he's able to preach with boldness and power infused by the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Bible says? 3,000 people were saved in one day. Not only were they saved, they were baptized in one day. You're talking about being waterlogged. You know what I'm saying? Like 3,000 people. And I, here's how my mind wonders. I wonder if the 120 people who are like, like comfortable, like this is our group, this is our church, and now 3,000 people show up, and they're like, man, someone took my camel's parking spot. You know what I'm saying? Right? Like did anybody complain about that? I don't think they complained. I don't think there was even an issue. Because you imagine right now if God brought 3,000 people into our family instantly just like that. How will we do what we do? How we work through it? They go from 120 people to 3,120 people in one day. That's crazy. If you keep reading Acts, it goes to 5,000 and then 15,000 and then to today. That what God birthed in Acts chapter 2 right here a couple thousand years ago is still a movement today. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit has infused it. So with that in mind... And that background of what just happened, the Holy Spirit comes, the church is birthed, 120 people turn to 3,120 people, the Bible says. And somebody says, you know, like sometimes they'll say, Pastor, it's like, man, you, you're all about the number. Isn't it funny that someone counted 3,000 people? You ever notice that someone counted three? You see, we believe the Bible is true. Someone counted 3,000 people. And like sometimes people say, Pastor, you're all about the numbers. Let me tell you what, I am all about the numbers because a number represents a name, it represents a person that Jesus died for. We're all about reaching everyone we can with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, verse 42. 
This is why I want you to just to camp here for a moment and walk through this. As we saw the church being birthed, corporately worshiping, now let's look what happens in verse 22. All the believers, everybody say all. Come on, Grace, let me hear you. Everybody say all. All of them. Not the super committed, not just the one that volunteers. Not just the one that drops a 20 in the bucket when it passes by every now and then. Not the one that shows up once every two, three weeks. All believers, every single one of them who were just saved and baptized to say they will follow Jesus, all of them devoted themselves. They committed themselves. See, we live in a kind of a world today that nobody really wants to have a commitment. Nobody really wants to stay committed to a job. They don't want to stay committed to a marriage. They want to stay committed to what they said they would do. Their word is not their bond anymore. Nobody has a commitment. Everybody wants to be in a contract, not a covenant. And they were committed. They were designated. They said, I'm going to devote myself, my life. I'm going to devote it. I'm going to stay committed to what? It says, one, to the apostles' teachings. Now, at this time, the New Testament is just being written. So it's not the New Testament, which was all about the Torah and the law and the Old Testament. The apostles taught what was in the Old Testament, because all the Old Testament points to Jesus. And they start teaching about Jesus all the way from the creation all the way through how everything pointed to Jesus. So God's word is what they devoted themselves, which was all about Jesus. And then it says fellowship. Now, this is not what you think of a fellowship as you think of a fellowship hall that's built on a church so we can have some nasty old potluck dinners. You know what I'm talking about? That's not what he's talking about. That's not talking about all the time. He's not talking about that. So he's like, oh, we got a fellowship hall. No, he's not talking about a fellowship hall, okay? A fellowship means you had something in common. And what brought everybody in common? What kept everyone focused on the same thing? What was true fellowship? Which was Jesus. You know what's fascinating about our church? We have Democrats and Republicans showing up. You kidding me? Yes. What brings us together? Jesus. What should be first? Jesus. What should we focus on more than anything else in this world? Jesus. And so that's what brings the fellowship together in the family of God as we focus on Jesus. And then it said they had Chick-fil-A. Look, it said sharing in meals. There's nothing better than Christian chicken. I'm sure that's what's happening right here. A little bit of sweet tea. Waffle fries? Man, I'm, I'm preaching now, man. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm thinking about it. It says they shared their meals. Now, what's the big deal about sharing your meals? In this society, when we break bread together, if I let you into my house and we ate a meal together, it was the most intimate form of friendship, which means it's a bond between two people who are committed to the same cause and to each other. It's not just like, hey, come over for burgers. This is something really very special and important in this society. And so what they're saying, they had everything in common and they shared meals. They broke bread together. And I'm sure they talked about Jesus when they broke bread together. And then it says they devoted themselves to prayer. Who do you think they talked about? Who they talked to? The Father, which was all about Jesus. They devoted themselves to Jesus. I want to encourage you to continue to devote yourself to Jesus. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them. When's the last time a deep sense of awe has ever come over you? You know, we titled this series, All in Wonder. Like, when, it, when is it become an awe of you? That word awe, when we look at it, it really means to, it means to fear. It means to be in reverence. As Christians, we don't have to fear God. He's our Father. We don't have to fear Him. For those who don't know Jesus and have not put your faith and trust in Him, the Bible says that you're an enemy of God. I think I would be fearful of that. But as of us who've been bought with the blood of Christ, those who are part of the family of God, it says we don't have to fear God. But have you ever had an awe of God? That word literally means to tremble in your gut. 
like God did something so miraculous and so something so much in your life that you don't care what in the world's going on, that you just fall before him and you're in awe of God, of who he is. That's what was happening to the people all over, the 3,120 people. And it says, and the, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. They were all and wonders taking place over and over and over as they continue to worship the Lord. Verse 44, and all believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had and they sold the property and possessions and shared the money with those who in need. Could you imagine if that happened today? I mean, think about it. If the church stood up and was the church, we could get word of world hunger in a week. Do you know that? If the church actually would call to be the church to help those who are in need. And when you think about this, we thought about, and I just want to say thank you so much as we're able to send because of your generosity money to, the, to this hurricane relief that you can make a difference. And that we're always in position because you faithfully are, are given to be in position to help at any time when disaster, things like that happens. I've never been part of a church that's more generous than this church in my entire life. You guys are extremely generous and you want to see lives change. We have given over hundreds of thousands and thousands of dollars over the last 12 years to advance the kingdom here locally, in our region, and across the world because of your generosity. And I know that you're not like proud, but I've never been so much more thankful and proud to pastor a group of people who really believe that you can't outgive God and to be generous and bless those in need. Guys, you are making a huge difference. Whether you see the impact or not, trust me, you are making a difference. And like we say all the time, you don't give through the, to the church, you give through the church, which is this is a beautiful picture of how being in position and ready that we don't have to stand up and say, hey, we're going to take up an offering and give to Hurricane Rave. We already have it because of your generosity. That's an amazing, I just want to say as your pastor, thank you so much that you would be part of that. But that's what the church is to do, is to help those in need. And nobody went without anything. Even if they had to sell possessions, we're going to help you. We're going to be there for you. We're going to make it count for you. And then in verse 46, it says, they worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared meals with great joy and generosity. Don't miss that. They corporately wor worshiped together in the temple and then they worshiped together in homes. Folks, I think we need to do the same thing. We need to figure out how do we can come in here and we worship corporately together. That is awesome. We praise the Lord corporately, but how do we meet through the week? I've said this for the last 12 years since we launched this church. There is no doubt that God has started a movement right here at Better Life Church. And it's not just for Round County. It's the broader county and it's in this region. And I said this since day one. If we're going to grow larger, we must grow smaller. You are not going to know everybody at Better Life Church. And that is okay. But you need to know somebody. You know, I meet people all the time who may have left or they quit coming to church or I haven't seen them in months and months and months. And you'll see them at Walmart or at, at a restaurant and I'll go up to them and say, hey man, so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. How's things going? And they're kind of, I guess you always see that they're like, they don't know what to say. They're kind of embarrassed and they're kind of, I catch them off guard like, oh my gosh, it's a pastor. He's going to call us out. Like, I'm, I'm just saying hi. I'm just saying you're doing. And what happens is something personally happened in their life and no one knows about it. Maybe a kid got sick, maybe a grandparent passed away, maybe their wife has been ill, and no one reached out to them to care for them. And because they didn't feel cared for, they quit coming and worshiping with the family of God. And, I, and, I, I, and that breaks my heart because the reality is this, and I say this over and over and over, I care about every single person who attends our church, but I can't care for every single person who attends our church. It's impossible. 
but I am required by the scriptures to make sure people are equipped to minister and care for the body of Christ. So the first thing I ask someone when they say something to me is like, hey, are you part of our groups? Have you been in one of our groups or not? And they'll say, no. Are you on a serving team? And they'll say, they'll say, they'll say no. And I would say, you know, that's one of our ways that we care for our people is that we get in groups because when you're in a group with people, guess what? They're the ones that are going to cheer for you when you celebrate your, you know, your, your achievement. Or when someone gets sick in your family, they're going to pray for and they're going to be there with, with you and walk you through that. It doesn't mean I don't do that. There's times when I make hospital visits, I'll make a hospital visit. And if I show up, they go, is it that bad the pastor showed up, right? I mean, is it really that bad? No, because here's my motto. And I've lived by this motto for the last 12 years. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I wish I could visit every one of you. I wish I could be there for everyone. I wish I could pray through everything that you're going through with you, but I can't. But that doesn't mean I still doesn't do it. I do it when I can with the people. If it's, if it's available and they're there, bam, I can be there. I'll make it happen. But the way that we care for each other in this community and we see through the scripture is that when the believers care for one another, when the believer are there for one another, and this is what happens at our church through our group ministry. And when you're part of this, guess what happens? You get cared for, you care for other people, you get encouragement, you get to encourage other, other people. And let me tell you, we all need it. And so what I wanna encourage you to do is to step up and be part of this movement. Because God started this movement 12 years ago, and actually started way before that, but 12 years ago, and God has created a movement throughout this region. Listen, He wants to use you to be part of this movement. Look what it says in verse 47. It says, while they were meeting, all the while they were praising God, and they were joining the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved every single day. Is that not amazing? Every day people are getting saved. Why? Because they worship corporately, then they praise and they would worship God and community groups throughout all of Jerusalem. You see, their faith was a day-to-day faith, not just a weekly routine. And we need to get back to being the people of God that really our faith is day-to-day, not just a weekly routine for 32 minutes to an hour on a Sunday morning. They met daily, they cared daily, they won souls daily, and because of that, the church increased daily. And I don't know about you, I just don't want to be part of the movement. I want to help lead the movement. And I'm going to tell you what, you can do the same thing. God can use you to lead a movement. In fact, look at the person sitting beside say, you can lead a movement. Tell them. Tell them, say, you can lead a movement. Say it like you mean it. Say, you can lead a movement. How? How can I lead a movement with the people around me? It's right here in this box. You know what's inside this box? Five golden tickets, and whoever wins it goes to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory right here. I've got a golden ticket, right? You know what I'm saying? My sister, I know she's watching online. It's our favorite, our favorite movie of all time. We send quotes back and forth, texts of the movie, see so you can outquote each other. It's just hilarious. It's sorry. Love you, sis. I know we do this all the time. This right here has the power to change our entire region. Has the power to change our entire region. It has the power to change your life to increase your faith and increase your faith around you. Everything you need to start a movement is right here. All you have to do is add your friends. Why do we need to pick your friends for you? We don't need to pick your friends for you. You already have people in your life you do life with. There's people you're gonna go watch football games with. There's people you're gonna go shopping with. There's people you're gonna meet at the coffee shop with. There's people that you live with. There's some people in your family you probably wish they weren't your family, but they are your family. And God wants to use you and in this box to lead this movement. All you got to do is add your friends.
So what we're going to ask you to do is every single person who's a believer is to grab a box. And for the next six weeks, that's a minimum of six hours for the next six weeks, to say, I want to be part of a movement. You're going to call your friend, a family member, maybe if you're a married couple and you're friends with another married couple, hey, us right now, for the next six weeks, we're only going to ask you to make a six-week commitment. Maybe for you and your college, you're like, hey, you know some girls on my, on my, on my dorm room and there's some friends on my, in my resident hall that, hey, you know what? I want you to come to my dorm room. And for the next six weeks, we're going to go through this together. Whether at KCU or MSU. Maybe for you, you, you work and you have some friends at work. Is hey, let's stay after work just for about 30 minutes to 45 minutes. So let's go through this together. I want you to come and do this with me. Maybe for you, it's after practice and it's in the locker room. If you could push play on an iPad, if you could push play on the phone, if you could push play on a computer, you can do this. We're not going to ask you to read some lengthy passage in the book of Leviticus and pronounce things you don't know. We're not even going to call you and ask you to pray out loud. You know what? We kind of laugh at that, but that's the two biggest fears of why people don't get in small groups. They're afraid they're going to be asked to read something that looks silly because they don't know what it means or how to pronounce it. Or two, they're going to be called to pray out loud. We're not going to ask you to do that. We're going to ask you to grab your friends and go through this. We've recorded the last series, the Hurry series. You remember? Most of you probably forgot that, even though it was a month ago, right? The Hurry series. We recorded short little content videos for you to watch and have discussion. It's all right here for you. All you got to do is push play. The only thing you need is your friends. I know some have questions, but what and what? No, no, no. Every question you have is already answered right here. How to register your group, if your group's closed or if it's open. All you got to do is add your friends. Do you have one or two friends you do life with anyway? Shop with, go get coffee with, eat with? Ask them. Hey, you know what? We got a challenge from our church. And uh, we, we've asked to meet together. I want you to go through this with me. You got a couple of family, listen to me. They don't even have to go to our church. They don't even have to be a Christian. You just invite them to come. And say, I want you to be part of my group. All you got to do is pick one of them up. And say, you know what? I'll add my friends to it. What's a six-week commitment? Pick one up, walk through it, and I'm telling you what, here's what's going to happen. I promise you, your faith will grow. The people around you, faith will grow. This is very awesome, especially if you have loved ones in your family who don't, who don't know Jesus or won't come to a corporate worship, won't come to a place like this, but they'll come to your home. They'll meet you at a restaurant. They'll go to a coffee shop. They'll come to your dorm room. And all you got to do is push play. Push play. We're going to figure out, we did the Hurry series, which is a great series to go through, and say, come on, we're going to figure out how do we slow our life down to have more margins so we can hang out more like this. So we can go to the lake and have fun and not feel stressed about it. So we can make margin in our life as we're getting ready to go into a holiday season that's coming up. Listen, this is a great, great, great thing for you to do. All you got to do is pick up a box, text a couple of your friends, meet me here. We're going to do this for the next six weeks. You're already meeting together. And some of you right now, people already come into your mind. Oh, I bet Johnny would. I bet Sarah would. Hey, our best friends, their, their, their kids can go upstairs and play or in the basement play and we can meet and do this. Yes, let's have them over. We'll get pizza, whatever it may be. We'll make it happen. You can do this. Maybe it's after work at the bank. Hey, let's do this. Let's, can you got a few minutes to stay? Let's, let's watch this together. It's after work after school. We're going to meet my classroom. Some of my friends in classroom, hey, won't you come there? It's just, it's, just a little, it's not long. It's just for six weeks. It's about 30 to 45 minutes. You can do this. Every single one of you can lead a movement. And it starts in a box. Something so small, but so significant that can impact this region. I want to share with you this. We have two campuses, one in Round County and one in Carter County. If you take every surrounding county that touches those county, and you think, well, that's kind of a large group. Do you know that we already have people from those surrounding counties coming to Bear Life Church? 
Greenup County, Lawrence County, Elliott County, Lawrence County, Flemingsburg. Over here, we have people coming all the way over here from Montgomery County. Sayersville. When people drive from Sayersville, you know God's up to something. You know what I'm talking about? West Liberty, Sandy Hook. We could keep going on and on. Mount Sterling, Maysville. People are driving all over this region to one of our campuses. And do you know, connected to our own counties, there are 217,000 people, according to the latest population. If, if statistics are true, 80% of those 217, roughly 175,000 people did not attend church this morning. Right here in our community, I'm talking about your family members that you drove by to get here. I'm talking about the co-workers you work with, your classmate, your roommate, your, your, your fraternity brothers or sorority sisters, that that'd be an awesome place to start a group with. Ask them to be part of this. You drove by them this morning and they stayed home. And most of them will not drive 30 minutes to 45 minutes right to a house of worship to worship. But they will drive to your house. They will stay after work with you. They will go to a coffee shop with you. They will go to a restaurant with you. Why? Because they trust you. And this is your opportunity. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Listen to me. If someone asks you a question you don't know, here's what you say. I get questions all the time. Pastor, what do you think about the beast and the mark of the beast and the horns and the seven horns and the 12 horns and the lady in the end times? I'm like, I have no idea, man. I have no clue. Here's the answer. If someone asks you a question you don't know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. Jesus saves me. He loves me and I'm heaven bound. Peace. You know, that's it. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And honestly, I don't mean me a minute. I really don't care. I'm going to heaven. That's all going to happen. I'm going to heaven now. We'll figure that out. He'll, he, I'll have the mind of Christ when I get there. I, I'm not even worried about that. I just want to talk about Jesus and him crucified and how much he loves you and give your life to him. Listen to me. You can do this. And imagine, little by little, your friends come to meet with you because they trust you. And they see the change in you. They say, oh, where do you go to church? I want to be part. And little by little, what started small, God starts a movement. And I believe that God's going to add to the faith daily of those who are being saved because of your obedience. Because of what God's going to do to you. Let me show this. I know he's going to, he don't like when I do this. We have a guy in our church. He leads a group over at, at the Bell Grove. It's a, it's a rehab center where people are getting their life back on track. He's a retired state trooper. And so he really has an affinity and a heart to help people get back a second chance to start over and get back on track. For the last several years, he's been leading a group at this rebound. He's actually one of our overseers. We're structured. We have overseers. We're elders of the church. And I submit to those elders. So actually, he's kind of my boss, too, in the same way. And he, I know he's going to get embarrassed by the bit, but his name is Warren Meadows. Warren, would you stand up real quick right here? This is, he hates when I do this, I know. But this is Warren. He's one of our overseers here at Bear Life Church. He's one of my spiritual counselors who speaks into my life. I'm also, he holds me accountable in my life uh, as well. But he's been going leading the group. And do you know that this past Thursday night in his group, and what he normally does, he just pushes play. He shows, this, he shows us the sermon, just pushes play. And then he says, that anybody like to give their life to Jesus? This past Thursday, 10 guys gave their life to Jesus. 10 guys gave their life to Jesus. It's amazing. And a lot of times they don't know where they're going church to church, the next church, and they want to be baptized. He just goes across the house over into a big old massive pond and he baptizes them right there. Listen to me. I'm not trying to be mean about this whatsoever. Since he's been leading that group, now I'm trying to figure this number up exactly, but they have seen more salvations and more baptism than most churches see their entire existence. Because one person goes pushes play 
Don't tell me God can't use you. All I'm asking you to do is grab a box, text a couple of your friends. Hey, come over before Monday night football. If you're going to watch the game with me, let's spend about 30 minutes. Let's go through this together and then let's get some chicken wings and let's go. You can do this. Every one of you. And as your pastor, I'm going to ask you, come on, lead the movement. Begin to worship God, not only corporately on Sunday, but find people that you could do life with. We don't need to pick your friends for you. You already got your friends. All you got to do is grab a box and add your friends to it. I'm going to ask you a word about your heads. So what's the point? Here's the point. People connect people <laughs> to Jesus. Will you be that connection piece for people? Will you worship God by obeying Him through corporate worship and praise? That's amazing. Through your meditation and prayer and your Bible study, that is awesome. But what about doing life together and loving one another, encouraging one another and bearing one another's burdens? Because I tell you what, if you isolate yourself, the enemy will assassinate you. You need people in your life that you can open up and say, pray for me. I'm struggling right now. Hey, I got a praise report. My kid's doing great right now. You need those people in your life. You're not going to know everyone here, but listen to me. You got to know someone. And you already got people in your life. Just pick up a box and add that to your friends. All we're asking is for six weeks. Commitment. That's it. After that, you're good. You can do this. I believe in you. You can do this. And maybe you're visiting one of our campuses or you're watching online and we have people all over the world and we thank you so much for tuning in. Maybe the reality is, is that you know about Jesus, but you've never given your life to him. What a beautiful day to give your life to Jesus. What a great day to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, watch this, you can be saved. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you right now, would you just cry out to the Lord and say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And it's just as we just read in the book of Acts, you sent the Holy Spirit to birth the church. I pray now the Holy Spirit will fill me. Forgive me of my sins and help me live for you for the rest of my life. Now use me to lead this movement. Man, if that's you at both of our locations, if you've given your life to Jesus, please go to the next step area. We have some resources we want to give you. As the day you made the best decision in your life. You're like, Pastor, that's it? That's easy? That's called grace, my friend. And that's how much God loves you. For everyone else, when all the believers gather together, I'm going to encourage all the believers. If you're a married couple, you don't need two boxes. Just this one box. If you already know somebody's going to be in your group, you don't need it. To, everyone don't need a box. You just need one for the group. And if that's you, please, let's lead this movement. This is how we reach a region. This is how we worship throughout the week. Praising God with the reports of what He's doing in our lives. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for birthing the church. We thank You for sending Jesus. Jesus, we thank You for sending the Holy Spirit that empowers the church today. We thank You for the movement that You have begun and we thank You for the movement You're gonna to continue to, to use this church to advance the gospel, not only to this region, but we're gonna reach the world. But Lord, it starts very small. And when there's something birth small, something great and grand can happen. So I pray right now, you, your word says that you gave favor to the people as they were praising and worshiping you all throughout the week. So Father, I pray right now that your favor will fall on this house. 
that your favor would fall on your people. And that God, that you would give them the courage and the boldness and the will to say, you know what? I want to be part of this movement. I've got some friends to do this. Let's make this happen. And Lord, encourage them, Lord, to start being used by you in an unbelievable way. And God, we'll go in and thank you in advance. And we're going to believe and declare that you're going to add daily to the fellowship of those who are being saved over these next six weeks because of the faithfulness of your people who want to worship you, not only here on Sunday, but throughout the week by loving one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another, forgiving one another, supporting one another. We believe that's what's going to happen. We can't wait to see what you're going to do, Jesus. We love you. For your name we ask and we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.